The passage today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. He said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him his righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for four hundred years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Raphites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Good morning. Happy Super Bowl. Go Niners. Wait a second. I'm often reminded of the character of God, the love of our Lord, when I find myself caring for my little boys. This week was a lousy week for us at the Richies. On Monday, kind of out of nowhere, all three kids ended up just having severe asthma. And my littlest one, Alex, in particular, all Monday night was just breathing real shallow and could, trying to get air but just couldn't. And So all Monday night, uh, it's just Dad and Alex uh, up all night. And I've had asthma my whole life, and so I understand how it works, and I understand how to try to care for it. But there you are with your child and trying to speak to him, hey, it's going to be okay. And you try to have him take a deep breath as you give him some medicine that will fill his lungs to open up his bronchial tubes and so that he can breathe. And you're ministering to him, saying, calm down, and, and let's just walk, and trying to get him to be upright so he can breathe. And you just wonder sometimes how you're going to make it through the whole night. And I think that's the way that God loves us, even much more so, that he's up all night with us, that he is ministering to our souls as we are <clears throat> struggling, 
that he is deeply involved in the trials of our lives and the anxieties that keep us awake. And I think this is how I picture God ministering to to Abram on a cold night in the middle of the desert in his tent as he wondered how he was going to make it through the night. Life had thrown some curveballs along his way. And so the scriptures remind us, beginning in Genesis 15, as Abram sits in his tent late at night, and the word of the Lord came to Abram. It's the first time we see this sentence used, and the word of the Lord came. But if you're a student of Scripture, you will find that that becomes a statement that is often used of our God. The word of the Lord came, and he came to enter in, and he came to minister to us. And like as I sat in the evening with Alex speaking into his life, you're going to be all right. We're going to make it through the night. That's the way God ministers to us. The word of the Lord comes and enters into humanity. And I love how God steps in as he speaks to Abraham. And he will continue to speak into his life. And he says, Abram, fear not. Again, another phrase that is used for the first time here that we find all throughout the scriptures. Why? Because God understands our humanity. He understands that we get anxious. He understands that we are scared of the future. He understands that we don't understand what's taking place. And so all throughout scriptures, you will find with the great saints, fear not. And hopefully you will hear from the Lord as followers of Jesus Christ those same words. Fear not, dear children. I am your God. You are my people. You are my beloved. And God ministers to Abraham saying, I don't want you to be afraid. And he steps into his heart as he wrestles. And you go, what is Abram afraid of? What's going on in the middle of the night? But there he sits. He's restless. His mind is spinning. And he just can't figure out how he's going to make it through. There is no Tylenol PM to put him to rest. And you know what? I think that's probably a good place to be. That oftentimes in the middle of the night, as we are awake, that God wants to minister to us. We often, when we wrestle at nighttime, we try to medicate. And maybe we ought to switch gears and meditate upon the word of the Lord. And say, Lord, is there anything that you need to say to me tonight? Is there anything that you need to minister to my soul? Here I am, God. I'm not just going to try to put myself to sleep. But I want to hear from you if you need to speak to me. And let the Lord comfort you. Let the Lord say, slow down. Breathe in me. Breathe in my spirit, who is the breath, life. And God speaks to Abram in the middle of his fear. And again, what's he afraid of? Well, last we saw Abram, he just had had an incredible victory, but possibly the fear is that, you know what, I just chased Kedolomer all the way up north to Dan. My 318 fighting men, 
we won and attacked and we had victory. Maybe this king would seek quick revenge. We caught him off guard the first time. It was at night. And we caught him in confusion. Maybe we won't be so lucky next time. Maybe he's afraid because he said to the king of Sodom, Listen, I want nothing to do with you. I've taken an oath before God, as I was ministered to by Melchizedek, that I would receive nothing from you. We will have no alliance, king. We will not be united in any way. And you will never in any way say that Abram became rich because of the king of Sodom. But all glory will go to God. Maybe the king of Sodom took great offense at that. And so there would be justice. There would be attack. Maybe he's concerned about finances. You know, he got the lousy land. How's he going to continue to take care of all the people and the herds? There's not a lot of water. There's not a lot of abundance like the land that Lot has. How am I going to continue to make it through, Lord? It doesn't make sense to me. Things are tight. Things don't look very good. Maybe God is ministering to his heart as Abram stays up in the middle of the night and he goes, Lord, ten years ago, you said to me that you were going to give me children, that from my seed would come this amazing heritage that can count the dust of sand you couldn't even add up would be my offspring. Did I not understand your promises? Did I not understand what you're doing in my life? And so fear and anxiety and confusion of how God was working out Abram's faith and trust. And again, wrestling with the Lord in the middle of the night, going, Lord, I don't get it. My son plays uh, basketball for the fifth grade boys basketball team here at Coal Valley Christian. And it's just a kick to come and watch these kids play. And, and the deal with this basketball team is everybody gets to play, but there's a lot of kids on the team. And so the coach, he's a great coach. He, he just divides them up uh, kind of into groups of five, and, and they'll send in five at a time, and they'll play you know, the period, and then the next group of five comes in. And so the first group of five goes in, and they're just having fun, and Caleb's over there cheering. He's sitting over here, and I'm, you know, a spectator against the wall over there. And then the next group of five, you know, comes in, and, and the coach is, you know, calling their names to come and play. And so now I'm getting pretty excited as a dad. It's my first game to see my son play. And, and uh, then the coach is calling the next group of five, and Caleb's name is not called. And I'm sitting kind of where the sound booth is behind you, and he's over here, and, and, and he's just like, <laughs> and I'm look, I'm watching him, right? And, and he's looking at me, like, and then he's, he's confused, and then his face gets downcast. And then so I, like any father would do, I start to walk across the gym, <laughs> and I pick up the basketball in the middle of the floor and I come towards the coach and I throw the ball at him. I say, what's up, coach? No, I didn't. It was a chair. No, but, um, no you want to defend your son, you know? 
That's what's playing through my mind. He's a great coach. I'm just teasing. But, but here's the deal. Caleb wanted to play basketball. He wanted to be part of the team. He wanted to participate and be involved. And more than that, he was told he was going to play. And it was just a, a slight oversight by the coach. It happens all. I've coached, and you're trying to get those kids to play. And it was a simple oversight. But here's this longing of the heart to be involved and to be part of this plan that was laid out as they coached the kids all week, and that you will play. And then when your name doesn't get called, you go, I don't get it, Lord. You said this is what was going to come about. You said this is what you had in store for me. Did I misunderstand what you're doing? Did I not get the picture? Proverbs 13 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what we're going to see in this passage of Genesis is that God is working on Abram. He's working on bringing him out of a place of fear and into faith. He's working on helping him to trust him for his promises. Helping him to see that God will enter into his life. And the Lord is going to take him again out of this place that seems like it's sinking sand. And he's going to set him on a firm foundation of faith. And so in the middle of the night as he holds Abram, and he gives him a word, he says this, Abram, I am your shield. Again, a word, a phrase for the first time in all of Scripture that God speaks to the character of himself to us. I am your shield. It's a phrase that will be spoken all throughout scriptures. I am your covering. I am your refuge. I am your rock. I am your foundation. I am the one who will deliver you. I am your redeemer. I am your protector. I am, Abram, your shield. Like the chariots that would ride through. And the enemy from on high would shoot the arrows and they would go straight up and come down towards those on the chariots. And as the arrows were fired, the fighting men would yell, Shield! And a tent of armor would cover them. And the arrows would hit the shield and the shield would take the hit. But those underneath were protected because of the covering of the shield. Abram, as you're up all night and wrestling, I want to remind you of who I am. I am your shield. I am your great protector. I know exactly what you're going through right now. And I will protect you. It's an image that we are facing battle, which is very true of our lives, isn't it? Ephesians reminds that full well. Battle's not against flesh and blood. Spiritual attacks coming our way. We are in great battle against the enemy and against this world. We are in battle. And God says, I will protect you. I am your shield. Trust in me, Abram. Hear my word as I speak to you. The author of Hebrews wrote 
Never will I leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. Abram, in the middle of your fear, I want to bring you out of this place into a place of faith. I am your covering. I am your shield. Not only that, I am your ever great reward. I am the one who is everything that you need. I am your treasure to the woman at the well. Drink from me and you will have like a spring, a bubbling brook that overflows. You will never thirst again. It is beyond anything that you can imagine. Life in me. You think you're thirsty. Oh, it will refresh you and it will cool you and you will have life. I visited a little island off of Spain called Mallorca. And I was told by some friends that I needed to go to this one restaurant called the Abaco. And it was famous because it was just very unique and, and just had a cool style to it. It actually was famous for its desserts. And so we're taken in a taxi down to this dark alley and we're led off there. And at first we were a little afraid going, this doesn't seem quite right. We're in the middle of nowhere, dark alley, and there's no one around. And the taxi driver says, no, these doors right here. As we got out of the taxi, there was these enormous oak doors with, with metal work on them and just beautiful doors. They were big, 12 feet high, and, and they were wide. And you come up to the door and, and you pound with a big metal knob. Bam, bam, bam. And then someone opens up the door. And as you come inside... It's like this beautiful courtyard. And then there's like, there's like a, a walkway around up top there. And, and, and you're inside a house, but outside, sort of. And, and so you're in this courtyard, and you walk in. And to, to my left was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Probably starting at about 10 to 12 feet high. And again, about as wide as this row of chairs. Cascading from 10 feet high was just fruit of Everything imaginable that you can imagine. Pears and, and plums and, and grapes and tangerines and papaya and, and mangoes. And it, and it just came from up at this point and it spilled onto the floor. And it came right to your feet as you entered in to the Abaco. And it was like everything you could ever even imagine and more. And then there was these beautiful fountains in the courtyard that were just springing up water. And, and, then, and then there was rabbits going around. It's just like, what? I didn't anticipate rabbits, but okay. You know, that's the way God is. Like, I know you didn't even think you needed rabbits. I just wanted to give you rabbits just for fun. It's an overflow. It's an abundance. I am your ever great reward. Everything that you think you need, I just flow it into your life. That's who I am, Abram. And will you seek to find that satisfaction in me? God is ministering to him in the middle of the night, saying, I want you to breathe in me. I want you to breathe in life from what I give you. I want you to know that I am your shield and your ever great reward. And I hope this morning that you would allow the Lord to do that for you. That you would allow the Lord to speak a word into your life and to remind you of the character of our God who loves us beyond all measure 
that right now through this faith journey of ours, that he is our shield, that he is our ever great reward. Everything that we will ever need and beyond flows down from him. Abram is learning to believe. Again, he's on a journey and he's been comforted, I believe, from these words of God. Yet still, as we see in the passage, he's like, Lord, how is this all going to work out? What? It's probably going to come from this other guy that my lineage will come. And he still struggles, and I love that because, again, it's, it's part of this faith journey. We, we wrestle with God. We don't get it. And yet God is full of patience and grace and, and just waits for us to respond to him and to hear from him. God is building into Abram's life. He's doing, I think, a remodel job on him. Have you ever gone through remodeling? I'm right in the middle of it right now. And it's really interesting to me. We're, we're doing some work on our kitchen, and we're tearing out a separating wall, and, and we're trying to, our cabinets are all falling apart, so we're doing some cabinets and stuff like that. And so my brother-in-law, Kirk, is doing some of the work for us, and, and uh, I, I come here to work uh, one day, and then I go back, and, and the next day, I mean, everything is gutted out. And there is dust and debris everywhere. And there's no cabinets left, and the wall that was there is gone, and there's just shrapnel everywhere. And, you know, they're cleaning it up, but it's just, you know, you've been through it. And you honestly get to a place where you're like, how is this ever going to be a beautiful kitchen? I can't see through this dust. I can't even picture how this is going to turn out. I've been told that maybe we'll have a functioning kitchen someday. In the meantime, the other morning, we're, we're eating breakfast in the bathroom because it's the only place that has power. And so we're making toast with jam in the bathroom. And there was a seat there already, so you just sit. And you go, Lord, this isn't really good living right now. I don't quite understand how this is all going to pan out. And then so the next day, I'm downstairs and I'm studying and I'm on my computer. And I hear Kirk from upstairs. Oh, no! those are never good words and so I come running upstairs and I'm like what's going on and one of the projects that Kirk was doing is we have that popcorn ceiling in our, in our house, that old stuff and he was going to just take out the whole ceiling, all the sheetrock he wasn't going to scrape it off, he was just going to take it all out and so he did, he took all the, the sheetrock ceiling out of our kitchen it's all down but what happened is, as he looked up, and, and here's what happened is, the, the, the uh, insulation that was there fell to the ground. It was soaking wet. And we have, a, we have a rock roof. It's an old type of a roof. It's a rock roof. And there was all kinds of rocks that fell through as well. And we look up, and I have this ventilation you know, fan up there that's supposed to get the hot air out of your, out of your attic. And there has been, and we don't know for how long, but there has been major water leaking through that ventilation shaft and running all the way down the beams. And then the, the plywood boards, the, the roof boards, they're soaked and they're sagging, and it's just a disaster. And you go, Lord, how's this all going to work out? You, you start to spin at that point. The words that he said is, 
it looks like you're going to need a new roof. <laughs> and you just go, now when we say new roof, what are we talking? Are we talking little patchwork? Or are we talking whole roof? And kind of give me a dollar amount with that, would you? <laughs> and, and so I had to go up on the roof, and, and again, I had to lay out all this tar. And I'm sitting on the roof, and I'm talking to God. And I'm like, God, you, you realize I have to teach on Sunday, right? And, and you realize that we had only saved enough money for the kitchen part of this deal. And how, how in the world are we going to do this? And he just spoke, you know, a word to me. Just again, just, hey. Number one, I gave you this house in the first place. I've got you covered. You don't need to worry about it. And he just started to speak to my life. And the other thing that he started to speak to my life was, you know what? It it, it turned my thinking around, which is, if we hadn't found that, the next good rain or so, that whole roof might have just collapsed right in on us. And we might have been in a real bad shape. And so God was teaching me to just trust him and learning to believe. And Abram was learning to believe and to have faith in the Lord. When things don't make sense, when they don't look right, and you go, Lord, you know, things are going from from bad to worse. If I didn't rescue Lot, maybe I wouldn't have all these enemies. Trying to trust you, but things are not looking good. And so God understands And he did with Abram, like I think he spoke to me on the roof the other day. He took him outside. He said, Abram, come on, let's go outside. It's a beautiful night out. I know there's a little wind that seems to be flapping against your tents, and you're like, it's a long, cold night. But just look up, would you? And he allows Abram to look at the stars, and he reminds him, your descendants will be more than all of these. If you could even count the stars it would be more. And right there, like God does with you and me, he ministers to our hearts. And then it says, Abram believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He decided, I'm going to trust the Lord. And I think as he looked up, he realized as he looked at the stars, that's my creator. That's my God who made all of that. That's my God who knit me together in my mother's womb. That's my God who says, I love you beyond all measure, neither height nor depth nor width, nothing east nor west, death nor life. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And I think Abram, as he looked at the stars, started to realize and be ministered to by his ever great reward that I've got your life. I think sometimes you and I need to just do that. Tonight, if it's a clear night and you're going through it, Maybe you just need to look up at the stars and say, Lord, would you send me a word? Would you remind me of who you are? And let God be the God that he is, your father, who loves your soul, who loves you to the core. It says he believed. He had faith in God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And a lot of times what happens is we go, wow, what a great man of faith. Look at how... He stepped out in belief. But I don't think the story is so much about Abram's faith. I think it's about God's grace. Abram believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. That means he was able to stand before a holy God, pure and acceptable. What did Abram do? Did he go out and do a bunch of good works? 
Did he obey the law? The law wasn't even in existence. What did he do? He placed his trust in God, and our gracious God accepted him because of that. His heart turned over to the Lord, and the Lord receiving his heart. That's the beautiful gift of God. And Abram believed. Augustine said, don't try to understand so that you can believe. Believe so that you might understand who our God is. He takes us, he opens up our eyes to his character and his life. That's who our God is. And even at that moment, as he sees the stars, he still wrestles with what's going on. He says, Lord, but still, how, what? I don't quite get it. And now God is going to enter in in such a way that we've never seen before to the depths of our heart and to the depths of who he is in his covenant with us. And he's going to move them out of fear and into faith because God is going to make a promise that can never be broken. He says, Abram, I want you to go get a heifer and I want you to get these other animals and and get ready for me to show up. Abram knew full well. God didn't need to tell Abram what this was about. There was about to be a covenant made, an oath, a contract that is meant to be unbreakable. And the way it was set up is you would get the animals and you would cut them in half and you would meet at a ravine. And as you place the animals, the half of each animal on each side, the blood would flow to the middle of the ravine and, and then flow down the valley. And it was known in the culture that when we make a covenant as such, that the symbolism is that if we are to break this covenant, so shall it be to you or to me that there will be a, a price that is paid, which is death. There must be a price that is paid. And so Abram sets up the scene for the covenant, and then he just waits. And then the vultures come. I think symbolism of the enemy trying to come, spiritual attack, trying to come and and rob Abram of his spiritual blessing. And Abram gets rid of them, and then he waits for the Lord. And now God is going to show up. And as God shows up and as Abram waits, he shows up in that of a furnace and of a blazing fire. And I believe as the image of the furnace is that which is holy, that which refines us, that which purifies us, that which makes us clean before the Lord, is holiness. And then this ever beautiful, powerful fire, always throughout Scripture symbolic of God's presence. The burning bush, Elijah as he called upon the Lord, and the fire consumed the bull on Mount Carmel. God's presence. And it passes through. And the covenant, as those who took it in the day, as the walk through the channel of blood, it would splash up onto their clothes. And again, they'd be reminded of the seriousness of this contract. And so Abram knew that he was entering in with God in a serious covenant. But here's where I think fear started to come in. I think for Abram, 
he's probably going, I can't walk this path. There's no way I can keep this covenant. And God says, I'm going to walk the path alone. Somehow he ministers to Abram, where Abram just sits in awe of the holiness and the beauty of God. Abram, I know you can't walk this path. I will walk it, and if either you break it or I break it, which I cannot, because I cannot break my covenant or my promise, but if you break it, I'll take the price. I'll pay the price. And it was God alone who walked the path. And it was Jesus alone who went on the cross, who died for our sins, who rose again, so that we who believe upon him, what's the covenant? You will inherit the land. That's not just physical land. That's all of God and all of his life. My covenant to you is you will inherit the land. You will receive life. I cannot break that. You are my people. I am your God. I give this to you. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, when we struggle sometimes with with our faith and we go, am I saved? I don't know. I I accepted Jesus, but I, I, I know my life and I'm messing up. He's saying, the covenant will never break. You may fail sometimes, but we are in contract together. You are my child. I alone walk this path for you. I know that you are going to fall short. I know that you are going to mess up. I know that your faith journey is like this. I alone walk this path for you, dear child. And so you can move from this fear into this assurance that God keeps his promises in his relationship with us. He says to Abram, I give you this land. And you will know for sure, because we have made covenant today, that you will inherit all of this. It will be given to you. And Abram comes to a place where he receives his ever great reward. Let's pray. Father, you are everything to us. You are our life. You are our joy. You are our shield. And Father, you are beyond all measure. You're beyond all description. And and yet you reach down into our lives. And Father, we want to say this morning, thank you that you walked the path for us. That you paid the price for us. And I pray for all of our hearts this morning that we would turn to you our hearts. The Father, receive us. Thank you for cleansing us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for paying the price for our sin. In your beautiful name, amen.